when a day that you happen to know is Thursday starts off by sounding like Sunday, there's something seriously wrong somewhere. The problem is, it is Thursday. It isn't Sunday, and the thing that might be seriously wrong isn't happening yet. Or yet again, it might be already. You didn't look at the lights in the sky, did you? You did stock up on weed colour, didn't you? Weed killer, even. The presenters are in the studio, but from one corner, somewhere in the variegated octo cheese plant, there's a suspicious sounding rattling noise, and we're sure the spider plant in the other corner just moved, all on its own. Looking nervously over one shoulder, and occasionally glancing at the big window pointing out towards space, a voice says, It makes our life. Good evening, good evening, and welcome everyone to Hutton Orbital Live, the big swirly new show that floats in space, somewhere near the solar system. I'm Wilma Fingerdoo, and I'm wondering whether the news is swirling clockwise or widdershins this week. It depends on what way you look at it, I suppose. From the vantage point of the waste pipe, or from whoever flushed us. I'm the Apology Officer, Mia Harkness. If you want, I could stick my finger in the plug hole and swirl the news the other way to see whether it changes. I'm Juan Kerr. Don't you dare. I've just got all the decks programmed up to work in this direction. I'm on the decks this evening as head tech, and I'm Colin Allcars. And I'm Norma Snockers, and my head is spinning. <laughs> so... Without glancing at the big lights in the sky, it's time for us to check out this week's news headlines. Galnet or not? We get the skinny on the spinny. Cheeky blighters scroll the walls in viral marketing campaign. Too hot, too messy, swings into fifth week. Brown trouser suppression added to legless commanders. LCU's been playing with big balls again. I'll be reporting on the latest disaster in Avic. And I've got updates from the community. First this evening, unless you've been hiding under a rock somewhere, you've actually probably missed the news that you want to be hiding under a rock somewhere. Goldtwit? Galnet News Digest and other reputable news outlets, including the Burr Pit, have been reporting strange lights in the sky, coming from the direction of Bernard's Loop. Of course, as space pilots, we're used to strange lights in the sky, whether they're the big burning balls of gas that try to barbecue us when we jump between systems, the incoming plasma accelerator shot from a passing salty, salty pirate, or the alert flare 
of a set of scavengers calling in backup after a naughty trucker's just given one of their comrades a dose of sleepy sleepy night night sap. However, records indicate that Commander All Crows Are Black might have been the first to notice that a scary, swirly, spinny, starry space thing was headed our way. Initially visible as just a pinpoint of strange coloured light in the direction of Bernard's Loop, it, according to canon scientists, is heading vaguely in this direction, at the speed of 0.8 light years per hour. What's more, as it got closer, and as pilots honed in on its location, the design looked a little um, familiar. There were, of course, the classic click littlers who immediately connected the appearance to the recent oafish behaviour over in HIP 22460. Thargoids have arms, the star has arms. Thargoids are mysterious, the star is mysterious. Thargoids leave derelict ships in their wake. This object leaves derelict ships in its wake. But that's all circumstantial. Other pilots immediately jumped to the conclusion that after the nargle nargle gromp noise from the misfire at HIP 22460 happened, something out there was paying attention. And that something has woken up. And as the only other something we know of out there are the Guardians, it stands to reason that they heard the commotion. And are heading up the stairs, shouting, You two can pack that racket in right now! Or, so help me! I'll whack you hard enough that you won't be sitting down for a week. Did we wake a slumbering guardian who is most put out that their nap has been interrupted by a rumpus? Of course, the only way of testing this would be for Salvation Mark II, uh, we've already forgotten their name, to provide some back chat and then see whether a slipper-wielding guardian tans their sorry hide for them. Of course, here at Hutton, we prefer the simpler explanation. If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it probably has feathers and swims. And in this case, if you look very closely, the familiarity of the spinny swirly space star bears a very close similar similarity to a logo you see every week. In fact, multiple times a week. That's right, the Galnet News Digest. It turns out that Commander Weatherspoon and excellent sidekick Beetlejude have launched their latest viral marketing campaign. Using the billions of credits they received in subscriber and advertiser revenue, they commissioned a company to launch the galaxy's biggest billboard and fire it on a trajectory passing through occupied space so that everyone has a chance to see it. As part of their campaign, they've deliberately not claimed responsibility, meaning that more and more pilots are heading out to look at it, which is more than a little cunning. The derelict ships, well, those are clumsy pilots who wanted a closer view and crashed, because, well, you know pilots. The biggest clue has been in your ship's journals, where anyone approaching the, the giant swirly space logo has had a notification that they're in the presence of a hyperbolic orbiter. As the Gullnet News Digest is the only outlet that prides itself in the use of both hyperbole and latotes on a regular basis, we're taking this as proof that we were right. Next week, look for their latotic light show. So, there is nothing to see here apart from a big space logo. 
definitely nothing to worry about. In fact, we advise not looking too hard, or in fact, going near it at all. The only other advice, make sure you know where that nearest rock is, as if we're wrong, then you might just need to hide from the Stargoids after all. The artful bodger has been at it again. Not content with social messages through the medium of paint, clever commentary on the state of the galaxy through cunningly discarded pizza boxes, and drink cans intended to highlight the decay of society, Bodgers returned to their roots and cracked open the lids of a few cans of that trusty old favourite, the Spice Paint. We're not sure what Salvation Olives are, maybe just a new kind of bar snack, or a rare food that we can send Amelia to go and sample in the future weeks. But that's just one of the messages that has been put out there by the arty one. The actual identity of AB, as they're known in certain circles, remains a secret, though there have been a series of stunts across the years, including shredding an anaconda midway through its purchase, changing the Kasuki Locus advert so it appears that the Locus eat you, which actually might be true, and of course, adjusting spelling on Starport, suggesting that we all haul the Emperor. Could it be Beetlejuice? Well, her preferred medium isn't the spray can, and to be fair, her art is far more beautiful than that in the walls of stations. Police throughout the galaxy have been on the lookout for this phantom tracker as they've been defacing the walls all over the place. Stop and search operations are ongoing, and there are rumours that the Federation have arrested people carrying crayons, lipstick, sharpies, stencils, and subjected them to intense interrogation. Miss Wilson's geography field trip for Class 3 was interrupted by one particularly imposing police patrol, who carted off little Susan and Jeremy for carrying Miss Wilson's watercolours with, uh, for her with intent. The parents have been informed, and Mrs Wilson is currently also under arrest for attacking an officer of the law with her handbag. We are not too sure who what led to this outbreak, whether the olives are tasty, why someone is painting pictures of antiquated Thargoids, and exactly which clown thought adding for the mug to walls here in the station would be funny, but we are reassured that Thargoids aren't a threat, Salvation isn't selling all olives, Aegis is, or isn't going to save us all depending on your viewpoint, and of course Hudson was ear wasn't spray painted by anyone representing the Federation. of the fourth week of Too Hot Too Messy, the Hutton-led initiative to deliver Hutton mugs and Centauri Megagin to every single station in the galaxy. Commanders blasted their way through the 15,000 mug milestone of the weekend as tracked by the Marvel, the Oracle, that is the Hutton Helper. Other 170 commanders from 64 squadrons are currently taking part and, of course, Hutton are blazing away at the head of the squadron leaderboard, romping past 6,000 deliveries. The Paladins are still in second with over 800 muggings. Infinite Dreamer and Distant Vets are both single commander squadrons in the top 10. And this week, we are joined by the Winged Hazars, who dive straight into the leaderboard in 10th. The same shameless overachiever is still leading the charge with 1,250 mugs delivered. However, he's been chased down by Nem, who went through the thousand mark earlier today. 
with Mouse 8287 edging Val Silvana into fourth, a smidge over 700. How do we know all this? It's on the Too Hot Too Messy event page at hot.forthemug.com forward slash hotmess2. At this rate, we'll have delivered a canister of Hutton mugs and Centauri Megagin to every station in the galaxy by June 3309. Have you noticed that it goes out by a month each week as we discover more and more stations that no one has ever visited, despite them enthusiastically stating, Welcome back, Commander! How do I join in the fun, I hear you ask? Well, first you need to give in to your space FOMO and sign up by downloading the Hutton Helper from hot.forthemug.com forward slash download, where your mug and gin deliveries will be really counted for you by the magic hamsters and their visual basic zen ringmaster and wheel oiler, no one likes a squeaky wheel, Antarius Fusion. It comes in three flavours, Full Fat Helper, Helper Light and Online Helper. So choose the one that best suits your constitution, download it today and get out there, become a ginger mugger. Just like hot and coffee, it's all about the grind. With all the excitement regarding big lights, silly stencils and a foreboding sense of doom, there is one group of commanders out there in the galaxy that are carrying on serenely, totally ob- oblivious to the sky falling in or something nasty coming to probe them unexpectedly from an unpredictable direction. Yes, Vanilla Horizons commanders have one benefit that everyone else seems to have missed. Their ships are fitted with the kind of safety equipment that makes those bits of carpet gaffer tape to cabinet corners in homes with young kids look like perfectly reasonable precautions. Along with both Hotbox and Hot PS commanders, Horizon Shipboard System users are insulated from the worst the galaxy can throw at us. Their ship's ladders point point blank refuse to be lowered as the computer thinks that walking about is a dangerous activity and they're likely to trip over something, twist an ankle or fall down a nasty ravine. The view screen auto filters that help you save your retina when staring directly into a sun also appear to have a doom filter. Quite simply, they can't see the big space squirrely or the Dome of Doom in HIP. As far as they're concerned, they can get out about their business without interruption or worry about that they're about to be turned into a barbecue snack or skewed by a big space spike and scoffed in one by a hungry Thargoid after a night, big night out. Many commanders see this as a disappointing thing. But we think that being blissfully oblivious to the danger is what makes a proper hut trucker tougher. Hackologists are reporting that they've cracked the encoding on at least some of the obliviator screen and pilots will very shortly be given the option of turning back on the ability to see incoming trouble. At which point we believe sales of brown underwear, sedatives and nerve-calming teas will boom once Horizon's pilots clap their eyes on what really is coming for them. Canon Interstellar, in a galaxy of hundreds of billions of planets, appear to be obsessed with bashing things together. 
Stick a bunch of canon scientists in a room with a table full of objects, and one of them is likely to suggest that they smack them together to see how they sound. Or, or smash. Or, or what shape dents they leave in the wall. Give them a pair of atoms and a long enough run-up and they'll try and fire up a new sun using nothing more than a lot of effort. Or mushroom clouds. They're known for those. So, when the galaxy does all the smashing for them, they're first on the scene with a camera to go, woo, and see what a mess it makes. Commander LCU, no fool like one, managed to discover a habitable moon containing a settlement that wasn't just due a near miss on a planetary scale, it was directly in line for being scrubbed off the face of a planet, using a passing moon as a giant space loofer. Heading for the planet Rhinadi 8b, he stationed himself over at Sosa Biological Research Center, pointed his camera at the sky and waited for the inevitable to happen. What actually happened was a flyby of epic proportions as the moon narrowly missed turning LCU into micron-thick human paste, mixed in with mashed biological base and smeared like MasterChef smoosh and swoosh of pureed canon scientist. We're mostly glad that LCU hasn't been turned into a piece of modern art and that he got some good footage, though we understand that he's a little disappointed he didn't get landed on by a whole moon. Well, it has been another busy week here in the Situation Room at the Orbital, with several threats appearing on and disappearing from the Master Situation Threat Board panel display. But this week, one system dominates the BDS. More on that story coming up. The strongest of Hutton's systems, only in the sense that it's holding up the rest of the table, is in its regular spot, Barnard Star. It has slumped to 28, but with four other factions in not-so-civil wars, there's only 15% of influence left on the table to improve matters. The first of these will take until after the weekend to resolve, so leave it until next week before you attempt to improve Hutton's position. The infrastructure failure which was affecting the system last week has been cleared along with those in Hankhole and WISE 0855-0714 and well done to the commanders who assisted in the return of those systems to the normal operation. This fortune has befallen poor little Avic yet again, not this time just at the hands of Sirius, the insidious mega corporation with whom we are at war again for the seventh time in three months, and to whom we are currently losing 2-1. Uh, further to rub salt in the wounds, last night's blight has left a famine in its wake, so shipping food to the small and medium pads of Bruce Prospect, particularly tin custard, Brussels sprouts, kippers and gooseberry ice cream. Who says they aren't weird in Avic? The outbreak that was cleared from Epsilon Eridani last week merely jumped over a system to infect Epsilon Indy, which has been laid low on 36. Shipping meds to any of the large pad stations in our most populous system. At the overachieving end of the Hutton Systems table, we have five systems above 60% and for some time, one of which isn't Haghole. It's just making me wonder what's going on in Stein 2051. Uh, priorities this week are, if you want to truck or even shoot something this week, you can do it all in Avic. Bring in food supplies and shoot some serious ships on the way out, or ship in meds to Epsilon Indy. 
We have three updates of events this week, including Buckyball Bucky Magic 8 Ball Championship, race number 7. Does the sun still rise in the east in the east, week 26? And the Nexus Initiative. Links will as always be posted in Twitch chat and also in the description of the YouTube upload. Buckyball Magic 8 Ball Championship Race number 7 starts this Saturday and runs through to the following Sunday. The Mischief Mile is a reboot of 3301's tribute to the Fuel Rats, in which pilots must navigate their way between Tefek and Mirag Teji via the Rats' home system of Fuelum, plus a couple of notable Fuel Rat hotspots, without the aid of either Fuel Scoop or additional Fuel Tanks. See the Magic 8 Ball Mischief Mile thread in the events section on the forum for full details. And I'm sure someone will post that into the chat. Does the sun still rise in the east in the east? Week 26. Six months in and two thirds of the way to the next waypoint. It is all about here went P-Tong last time, so fingers crossed. Talking of fingers, I pulled a finger out and made good time. Don't know whose finger it was, but I'm glad it's gone. I had to get a wiggle on as I'm pretty sure I'm the one who's clogged up cubicle 3 on the Canon Carrier DSSA GAM 9. Not my fault though, after a diet of conga ale and food cartridges eating all those biscuits proved too much fibre for my poor digestive system on the plumbing in cubicle 3. My prowess with the Dysonator is becoming such that I'm giving serious thought to changing my name to Joy Erotic, Tussock King. I'm sure that impressed the ladies in Vistagenomics, especially as I've gotten my moniker in the Codex again this week for another patch of grass. I know how to party, even 30,000 light years from home. Oh well, until next week, TTFN. Or seven. The Nexus Initiative, after a long break from the Black, has begun preparations to restart their exploration of the galaxy. Carriers Nimrod, Legacy of Dawn and Gary Hogan have begun plans to begin anew and place their permanent outposts back into deep space to aid explorers in their voyages. While no departure date is set in stone, Nexus expects to have their carriers leaving the bubble before the end of the year. Now I'm sure there are lots more events going on, but if you'd like them publicising on the radio show, we do need you to send us the details, maybe including a photo or two, to hash correspondence in the Hutton Orbital Radio Discord. And there it is. Just Double keep pressing, pressing that button until something happens. <laughs> and, there, like, and there was me thinking that we were almost going to have an almost competent show. <laughs> that was like Dolby 7, 7.7.7. There we go. Seamless. I don't think anybody noticed.
go to school. Mm. <laughs> well, we will, mate. it was on almost competent. I thought we really had it this time. It was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty, pretty seamless till the very end there. Yeah, we'll fix it in the edit. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it'll be yes. fine. It'll be yes. fine in the edit. So, welcome to Commander Overlight. Yeah. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. I've got, I've got buttons to press, and it's scary. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Mm. I think I'd find it scary. Don't press the button. Oh, you're, you're doing so well. I mean, not counting that last bit, but you know, you were doing so well. Oh, we'll just, yeah. we'll just pretend that didn't happen. It was just, it was just. We'll rewrite history. It's all just, good. Just have yes, faith that the first time you pressed it, it's gonna work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or were you that nervous? Your hand was shaking. Yeah, that's it. I missed. That's what happened. <laughs> Press the wrong button. <laughs> so, did everyone see Frontiers live stream this week? And no, no. Why not? Because I never see the Frontier live stream. It's on at a time when I'm working. Or it's it not. On a, or or it's not on at all. <laughs> it was a trick question. Yeah. Ah, Trixie. Uh, Trixie. I've never been called that before. Um. But we have other news, right? Well, we have other things to talk about to fill Ooh. in the space between Flossie and Flossie. <laughs> Flossie has stuff to say? like a Flossie oh, sandwich. We have news from Flossie. I'm still... I was still muted. You were muted. Oh, you I, were thought, I thought you were quiet. You were trying to yeah. speak, were you? <laughs> yeah, I was trying. It's becoming a habit. <laughs> uh, well, Artemis, Artemis 1 launch day came and went, and they couldn't launch. They had a leak, had to get a plumber in, they reckon it wouldn't be fixed. He had to open a part, wouldn't be fixed until Saturday. Lots of teeth sucking involved. Yeah, it's a lot kind of... Does he charge you extra if you watch him do it? Mm. Mm. Sounds like it's being run by truckers. Yeah, almost, yeah. Well, it's not Um, rocket science, is it? Oh! (laughs) There it is. So, yeah. So, thanks, thanks, NASA. So, they're going to launch it about tea time. On uh, on Saturday. Night. Oh, say put dinner well, time now. That's eighteen seventeen is a bit late for dinner. No, no, eighteen seventeen. <laughs> I could just imagine someone in the control room saying, "Oh, when when are we going to set the next launch date? Oh, Saturday, <laughs> around tea yeah. time. Yeah, time. Tea time. Okay. I don't think it's dinner time. I don't think it's tea time or dinner time for the Americans. So I think it's probably lunch time for them. Um, it is three in yeah. the afternoon. Uh, yeah, it's about lunch time for them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 it will be. So if you're in the UK. That's seventeen minutes past seven. Well, nineteen seventeen. Yeah. Think. There you go. So it's very civilized, though. You know, you can sit with your, you can sit with your, your tea and your dinner in your lap and, and watch. Maybe have a scone. Lunch. Oh, a cream tea. We could even. Won't we'll be complaining oh. about having to get up too early like I did the other day. Yeah. You'll, you'll need a try. Go. You'll need a try. A try. A try. A try. A the try. food is hot. God, right, okay. Anyway, it's an uncrewed mission, um, and it's going up there. It'll orbit the moon and return, and that's Artemis 1, just to check that it works. Did you I say keep, there was... I keep thinking this game we played at LaveCon. <laughs> Do we know how long that will take, one orbit and return? It, it takes a long time. I think it might be more than one orbit, so they're talking about, I think they're talking about four weeks or something. Yeah, oh, wow, the, that is it a was long time. between mm. 26 and, I think, 48 days, depending on how how it well goes. things work and... Yeah, but that's the that's the window. I mean, you can basically you can get up, get around the room, get back inside of a week. Yeah, you really, if you're really pushing it, a bit like Apollo thirteen. Mm. 
But um, mm. yeah, but I think they're wanting to test things well. It's up yeah, to, yeah, so they're, they're taking wanna, their time. They go into a very um, elliptic um, lunar orbit as well. So they'll the the spacecraft will be if you ignore um, was it Snoopy on Apollo ten, which is I think still doing laps around the moon, around the sun rather. <laughs> um, it'll be the furthest manned vehicle um, has ever gone from from Earth. Except, and, 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 except it would be crude. Well, precisely, but it has the ability to be crude. Yeah. But you say it's uncrude. Yeah, I do. Yeah, Sean I'm... the Sheep was on it. What? Sean the Sheep? No way. Yes, Sean the Sheep was, was well, he didn't go up because obviously it didn't take off, but yeah. Sean the Sheep is on it. And you know what that means? It's going to be a giant leap for lambkind. Oh. Oh, oh, my God, that's two in... In, in... in the space yeah. of two minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. many minutes. I mean, you can, it's two you, in your face. You, you, can, you can laugh <laughs> as much as you want about Wallace and Gromit, you know. But this has got a lot more to do with Wallace and Gromit than you might actually think. Has it? Thank you. Um, so clearly, oh no, I didn't mean for you to go on. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly, Wallace, at some point in his life, where did he live? I can't remember. West Wallaby Street. West Wallaby. 20, was it 27? Or was that? No, it was Mr. Ben, wasn't it? I'm getting confused. Anyway. Mr. Ben. Anyway, so clearly um, Wallace um, was influenced by the Wombles because he, you know, he's always making stuff out of bits Other of stuff. stuff. And. Artemis One is pretty much made out of bits of other stuff. Now you're thinking, what NASA can't? You know, no, no. But they've, they've rummaged around the literally. I'm not making this up. They've rummaged around the NASA shed, and they've gone one better than my sort of ten year old. You know, where you if I'm using it in ten years, out it goes. But then I'm I think that's supposed to be a year. But carry on. Ten, ten, years. Ten, ten year old. Yeah, I'm very strict. I'm getting a bit soft about that. My old age. I'm keeping stuff. You know. So, and uh, anyway, um, but they've recycled sixteen space shuttle engines. So there are four on this one. That sit on the bottom of the big, uh, the big orange booster and yeah. fuel tank. Um, so four of the engines on that um, are all recycled from shuttle flights. In fact, one of them. Um, engine 205 first flew in 1998. Kings. And engine 2058 has been up six times. So they really are. They talk about re and that's re good. reduce, yeah. reuse, recycle. It's, uh, yeah, it's been up six times. It always came back and it's, it's not Well, it smashed, did because it was attached to, the, attached to the shuttle. It, it ain't yeah. coming back this time. <laughs> um, wherever it goes, it goes. Um, and the booster segments. You know, the, the two big white uh, yeah. section boosters on the side, which provide most of the power, to be fair. I think they, uh, in, everyone's always talking millions of pounds, or as if you if you think of it, it's 1,600 tons of... of and we're walking. <laughs> so the booster segments were all recycled as well. Um, if you took the left-hand booster, if you add all the segments up, they'd been up 52 times. Excellent. If you add up all the bits, and the right hand side's forty-five, so wow. the, boost, the boosters, bits of the boosters, <laughs> have been launched nearly a hundred mm. times. In fact, both nose cones you've seen before because they were both on STS fifty-one, and they've both been up thirteen times. Now you'll remember STS fifty-one; it was very famous. Oh, was that Challenger? Yeah. Mm. So yeah. talk about recycling stuff. They're really yeah doing it. Excellent yeah. job. 
And then, of course, they'll use all these for the tests, and then the Block 2 um, flights will start, and then they'll start testing things like the, well, the lander will be included on Block 2, and then they'll have a crew crew Block 2 and a flight, uh, sorry, a cargo Block yeah. 2. Artemis 2 is... bigger. Artemis 2 is going with a crew. It's doing the same thing. It's going out and coming back. And Artemis 3, they're saying, will be a landing, a return mm. to the moon. Yeah. Well, so it's that's a lot more ambitious than Apollo ever was. Yeah. You know, in terms of you know the A flights, uh, the D flights, and the E flights with the man flights. But yeah. mm. looking forward to it. Saturday, Saturday dinner time. Yeah. Cool. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no, I mean, I mean, excellent. Yes. Okay. What's what else do we have? Well, Ooh. do you want me to put it in pink, Flossie? Yeah. Well, following this week's uh, Too Hot, Too Messy, we have the new mug winner, which is Drumroll. Do we have one of them yet? Do we have a button for a drumroll yet? Of course we don't have no. a button for a no. drumroll. Come on. No, that'll do. It's more we usually get. We haven't had so a proper drumroll. I've Matty, got, a cheese got a cheese roll if that's any good. Matty D242 with 34 mugs and gin distributed during the week. Well done, Matty D. Well done, Matty. Please let us know your contact details so we can send you your shiny new mug. And if anyone else would like a chance to win one of the coveted Hutton mugs, a real one complete with upside-down handle, all you need to do is make sure you're registered on Hutton Helper at hot.forthemug.com and deliver at least 10 mugs and 10 gin to any of the unmugged, ungined commodity markets around the galaxy during this next week. A random draw will be made from a list of all qualifying commanders next Thursday. So get mugging and ginning. Yay. Hey. I can see somebody started typing a word and it begins with A-A. Oh, no. What's begin with A-A? Do you want to play hangman? Not already. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's literally what it says. Uh, 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 oh, it's capitalised now, but okay. Ooh. Uh, so one, two, three, four, five, and then a K. Yeah, you better put the other E in. Bloody hell. There must be more to talk about. <laughs> he's, isn't there? he's got to think about this, yeah. where the other A is. No, I've given up. I'll tell you what. <laughs> it's not us. <laughs> Still not us. It's not us either. Between Thanks, Lippo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can hear it. Don't I think... forget, nobody can see all this that's going on. And no, all no, right. I, I... Well, we just say, Ardvark can be done with it. Ardvark! 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 <laughs> and with that note, let's go over to Flossie with the CG News. It's Flossie. It's Flossie. It's Flossie, it's Flossie, and the community goals. Hello, Flossie here with this week's Community Goals news. There were no CGs to report on last week. One new CG this week, Azimuth Biotech Mining Campaign. Azimuth Biotech has called on mining vessels to deliver raw materials to the glorious Prospect megaship in the LHS-157 system. 
The campaign was launched by the corporation's acting CEO, Torben Raidmaker. Our mission to continue developing anti-xeno technologies is currently hampered by a lack of resources to establish new facilities. Azimuth's investment in the Proteus Way project and related infrastructure was considerable. Meanwhile, the reckless actions of anarchists and political extremists have inhibited our recovery. Generous credit payments are being offered for the following mined metals cobalt, galite, and osmium. Shipments of these can be delivered to the Glorious Prospect, where they will be processed for a, var- for a variety of uses. Dedicated con- contributors of these freshly mined ores will be granted a permit to the Mabuni system, should they not already have it, and access to our range of hybrid anti-xeno modules at Prospects Deep. As well as the credit rewards, the top 75% of contributors will receive the Mabuni permit if the initiative is a success. Azimuth Biotech has set out a seven-day campaign, which will end early on Thursday, September 8th, 3308. To be eligible for rewards, you must sign up as an active participant before delivering cobalt, galite and osmium to the Glorious Prospects megaship in the LHS 157 system. Please note that for commodities to count towards your personal contribution total, they must be mined rather than purchased. And that's it for this week's CG News. Well, with all the exciting news from the galaxy, it's time for Judai Spoon and other S Beetle to go staring into space and telling us exactly what they see. Galnet News Digest, 1st of September 3308. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Azimuth plans a comeback. The Empire goes it alone. Inhabitants accuse Cannon of causing needless worry. And there's a strange star in the sky. And he's getting bigger. Uh, it's, it's been a while, but um, I, I wanted to send you a quick message. Shame you're not at home. I know I haven't been in touch. We've just been busy with... Well, if you've been watching the feeds, you know what's going on. I've been in HIP 2460 for a few weeks now, and there really hasn't been much downtime. Though I guess you've heard that excuse before, huh? Listen, I, I just wanted to say that I'm sorry. When this is over, assuming Salvation's plan works, I'll take some time off and I'll come visit, if that's okay with you. Uh, yeah. I hope you're doing good. Say a prayer for us, if you get a chance. (laughs) 
Azimuth Biotech plans to continue the work of its deceased founder, Salvation, and has hinted that it will be asking independent pilots for assistance. Acting CEO Torben Rademacher, who has previously spoken out against Thargoid-loving agitators such as Operation Witch Hunt, once again complained about the loss of much of Azimuth's real estate due to the actions of what he described as radicalised saboteurs. That, together with the loss of key personnel to the Thargoids in HIP-22460, including Salvation, whose real name was Dr Caleb Witcherly, has been a huge setback for the former Taurus Mining Ventures. And it doesn't help that the three superpowers have cut their ties with Azimuth. But Rademacher insisted that two centuries of xenological research should not go to waste, and that Azimuth still intends to deliver new technology to assist in the fight against Thargoids. Hopefully, technology that doesn't make the Thargoids even more powerful than the Proteus wave managed. While the Masashi megaship has returned to Azimuth's headquarters in Titori, the glorious prospect has moved into the bubble, to the LHS-157 system, which is a convenient 20 light-years from Azimuth's research centre, Prospect Deep, in the permit-locked Mbuni system. Rademacher apparently plans to kick off a resource-gathering initiative. Perhaps pilots who take part will be granted access to Mbuni. Although, who would want to work for an organisation with dodgy morality and track record of making the Thargoids far more dangerous than they ever were before. No one. Torsten Rademacher of Azimuth has kicked off a resource-gathering initiative offering pilots who take part a permit for access to the Mbuni system. The slightly sad remnant of the corporate genocidal maniacs that make up Salvation's research organisation has invited commanders to deliver mined, not purchased, cobalt, galite and osmium to help the mass murderers set up new labs to develop new and even more devastating anti-xeno weaponry. Deliveries should be made to the ironically named Glorious Prospect megaship in LHS-157. Three-quarters of those who take part will be issued a system permit for the blasted wasteland that is Mbuni. Rademacher blames Azimuth's lack of research facilities on the rights activists, who on moral grounds drove the evil corporation out of many systems prior to the firing of the Proteus wave. He has perhaps forgotten that pilots very recently stocked up the heart of Taurus megaship with equipment to help Azimuth rebuild laboratories, shortly before that megaship was wiped out by Thargoids, who quite justifiably objected to Azimuth's attempted xenocide. Still, they're offering a reasonable price for the six pieces of silver. The Empire will no longer cooperate with the Federation and Alliance in anti-Thargoid defences and will use only Imperial weapons manufacturers as it builds defences against alien invasion. Emperor Lavinia Duval made the policy announcement in a speech to the Senate that honoured members of the Imperial military who died in HIP-22460, including the crews of the IMV Audacious Dream, IMV Illustrious Fortune and IMV Paramount. She said that reliance on Salvation's superweapon proved disastrous and made it clear that the Empire should never again rely on external superpowers or agencies and that the Empire should focus exclusively on defending the territory and people of the Empire. 
Ironically, this isolationist approach is what the Emperor's enemies in the failed organisation Nova Imperium had long campaigned for. She announced new money to fund Imperial scientists and engineers to develop and manufacture a new range of Imperial anti-Zeno weaponry. The new star in the night sky, presumed to be a Thargoid vessel, has got several people wondering. If it is indeed a Thargoid ship, and if it's approaching as a result of Salvation's failed Proteus wave experiment, how is it that light from the object is visible hundreds of light years away, when the ship presumably didn't set out hundreds of years ago? Light can't travel faster than the speed of light, after all. The answer, as it turns out, is very simple. Hyperspace flight, not through frame-shifting, but through a sort of hypercruise. Here in the lab, we call it turbo-encabulation. It's quite a straightforward adaptation of the Thargoid hyperdrive, but using the techniques developed for supercruise. We've done some analysis, and we thought you'd like to hear how it works. Basically, the only new principle involved is that instead of power being generated by the relative motion of the conductors and fluxes, it's produced by the modial interaction of Thargoid magneto-reluctance and Guardian capacitive directance. The original green-coloured Thargoid hyperdrive had a base plate of prefamulated amulite surmounted by a biomechanical logarithmic casing in such a way that the two spurving bearings were in a direct line with the panometric fan. The latter consisted simply of six hydrocoptic marsal veins, so fitted to the ambifacient lunar waneshaft that side fumbling was effectively prevented. In this new blue-green version, the main winding is of the normal Lotus or Delta type, but placed in Guardian relic-derived panendermic semiboloid slots of the stator, with every eighth conductor being connected by a non-reversible tremie pipe to the differential girdle spring on the up end of the grammeters. This gives the device its characteristic blue and green radiating spirals. We here at the Galnet News Digest Appliance of Science Labs have no doubt at all that this amazing new invention will help the Thargoids effectively wipe the galaxy clean of those pesky humans. The inhabitants of Rianardi have criticised Canon Research for claiming the settlements of Data Biological Forum and Sosa Biological were at risk from the planetary collision last night. Moons 8b and 8c collided at 9pm on Wednesday night, but there are no reports of any inhabitants being killed or injured. Our Wadja organisation reports that the geological catastrophe took place well away from their settlement on Moon 8C, while Rianardi Jet Transport Group points out that there was at least 50 kilometres between Sosa Biological and the massive trench cut through Moon 8B by the collision. Far from being an extinction-level event, they claimed that their employees enjoyed the near-zero-G conditions caused by the opposing gravitational pulls of the two moons, and have issued video showing their guards practising their zero-G weapons drill. Some visitors are reported to have drowned when the surfaces of both ice moons liquefied due to the immense pressure caused by the collision. There were also reports of massive memory leaks, causing the flight control systems of those inside the planets to hang. Cannon had called for assistance to evacuate the inhabitants of the two settlements. 
inhabitants are believed to have been concerned that this would adversely affect tourism to the system. However, a large number of visitors arrived in the system to observe the collision, so perhaps their worries were unfounded. Cannon is now predicting a much more destructive collision in 3311. Perhaps the Rionardi Tourist Board will be better able to capitalise on the visitors who flood in for that truly cataclysmic event. We asked Commander LCU No Fool Like One of Canon Research for a comment. I strongly deny these scurrilous rumours that I've been taking bribes from the Reynardi Tourist Board. There's nothing in these brown envelopes except for research papers and seismology reports that I had to collect from their offices. If everyone had been killed, you'd be criticising me for that, wouldn't you? I should like to point out that the next collision will be on the 4th of July 3309 and it will be spectacular. You should book accommodation early to avoid disappointment. Please check out the gift shop on your way out. So there you have it. Galnet News Digest. We read the peer-reviewed engineering papers so you don't have to. He has been sent to Alvin's office, where he's been handed a small shovel, some poo bags, and no peg for his nose. Wish him luck. Hey, that's my job. <laughs> you doorbender. <laughs> well, that was a great goal in that digest. Uh, they've got their finger on the throbbing pulse of the galaxy's weirdest goings-on. No doubt this week's hut and radio antics will be at the top of next week's digest. But we're still not convinced it's not just them with a giant advertising hoarding. Now, over to Hunt and Helper results. Welcome to the Hutton Helper Results. The Hutton Helper Results are sponsored by the Hutton Helper, the only third-party resource to come with the 1985 Lada Riva SRV. This week we had the following events. The Checkpoint Charlie Spectacular, the Perestroika Deja Vu Trophy, the Gorbian Raygun Memorial Challenge, the Off to the Gulag U Malcontent Champion of Champions Championship, the Enemy of the State Charity Shield, and the tram car of the people extravaganza. So, don't be aspirational, never be the one to stop clapping first, and try not to be a crypto-fascist. I know, it's a big ask. This week's Hutton Helper results are... Zebedian jumped 50,000 light-years to come first the distance travelled. Gaia Origin sold just under 21,000 tonnes of goodies. Top mission runner is Juan the Smith with 248 mission points. Captain MD cashed in 189 million credits worth of bounties. Our very own Lou Snockers handed in 451 million credits of combat bonds. And Sinister Hedgehog delivered 397 people to their various destinations. Decals this week for Gaia Origin, Juan the Smith, Captain MD, Sinister Hedgehog, Izoneri for exploration data handed in, 
Zemedefloss, Zemedelfoss for own mind, and Peter Rogers for systems pinged. Email itookpartathuttonorbital.com and arrange to collect your Hutton decal kit, which this week consists of a decal only. Join the queue over there, citizen. We had 46 Hutton runs this week. The top five were Impala Mark with 1 hour 22 minutes 47 seconds, Manu Workel with 1 hour 23 minutes 28 seconds, Norbert Patinod with 1 hour 23 minutes 54 seconds, Zen Zob Krell with 1 hour 23 minutes and 59 seconds, and Jintosh with 1 hour 24 minutes and 4 seconds. Anyway, there is a whole galaxy of stuff out there needing, hidden from, flipped, mistranslated to and from Spanish, chilled, mugged, ginned, shipped, shot, rescued, looted, prepared, destroyed, bought, sold, squeezed, inflated, burnt, frozen, liquidated, evaporated, sandblasted, sponged down, smelled, licked, extruded, discombobulated, recombobulated, pilfered, rubbed, compressed, enveloped, siphoned, regurgitated, strained, fermented, poached, interrobined, upcycled, violently downcycled, smelted, roboticised and probinated. And you can earn yourself a very fetching hut and decal for doing it. To get involved, you just have to go to hot.forthemug.com and sign up for the delicious new Hutton Helper, available in three exciting formats. Let's face it, anything has to be better than accidentally defenestrating yourself from a sixth floor hospital room. Anyway, that's it for this week. Back to Studio 5. Amelia, loads of winners this week, and now it's time for the return of Amelia, and this week she's into her weapons. Good evening, this is Amelia Hawke, reporting for the Galnet Rares Digest. We try all the galaxy's rarest and most dangerous commodities, so you don't have to. It's not often I get to test something dangerous. <laughs> uh, 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 okay, that, that, that's not true. Let me rephrase. It's not often I get to test something that's supposed to be dangerous. Something that has a label on it saying, this side towards the enemy. However, I'm over in the Camoran system, and here they specialise in just one thing. Weapons. You name it. If it can be used to hunt or attack someone else, these guys make it. We aren't talking, however, about the kind you mount on your ships, the latest in beam technology for those you tote around a biological research settlement to defend yourself from the rightful owners of all the things that you're about to steal. The entire system is dedicated to the history of weapons. Camorin historic weapons. They have museums with hall upon hall covering different ages of humanity. There are gift shops, bars with interesting drinks named after medieval weaponry. There are motifs and even building designs that simply scream murder. The local population have 
dedicated themselves to preserving the ancient human art of doing harm to itself. And, for the right price, you can buy yourself a slice of this history as they recreate perfect replicas of just about any weapon from antiquity that you can think of. What's more, every week they hold gladiatorial competitions where volunteers bring out examples of this artistry and demonstrate their lethality. It's an anarchy, so anything goes. This isn't so much mixed martial arts as no-holds-barred full-contact combat. You can buy these items. They're made exclusively to order by art artisans and craftspeople locally. As you wander through time, you progress from sharpened sticks and bits of dangerous-looking flint, through heavy thigh bones from long-extinct mammals, big rocks, all in one room. There are graphic videos of these weapons in use, explaining not only how they're made, but how they were used and what damage they did to the unsuspecting recipient of a bonk on the bonts, or a spike to the delicates. Moving to the next hall, after passing sharp bits of metal with leather handles, we enter the territory of the medieval artistry. And this is where it starts getting adventurous. There are scythe-wheeled chariots guaranteed to cut your enemy off at the knee. There are trebuchets and mangonels, spring-loaded triple daggers, morning stars, which, if you don't know what you're doing, are just as likely to smack you in the back of the head as stave in that of your enemy. There are African hunger-munger, a bladed weapon thrown like a boomerang. Oh, oh, and of course, boomerangs. Pikes and bows and early hand cannons, just as likely to misfire and take your own arm off as they are to stop a galloping armoured knight. Then, into the era of cannon and guns, we have muskets, ornate in design, then into rifled weapons, automatic guns, semi-automatic guns, sonic revolvers that fire brown noise. There's a hall dedicated to pocket nuclear weapons, to tactical gorse pistols. And yes, for reenactments, they do latex swords for people who want to run around pretending that they're slaying dragons, too. It's a dizzying array, and you can buy them. No questions asked. If you want a six-foot longsword, they'll make you one. If you want an 18th century police button, no worries. Your own trebuchet. Give them a week and they'll knock one up and even throw in some dead animals to lob over a nearby wall at whoever you want. Or some rocks. They'll even sharpen the rocks for you. To round off my tour, I've been given the opportunity to take part in this week's gladiatorial spectacle. Though uh, I've, I've settled on combat by proxy. I've been given my stand-in. She's about seven foot tall and covered in muscle. And other than some strategically placed bits of cloth and ringmail, <laughs> not much else. And I've been invited to choose her weapon. As I fondly remember those ancient epic films, <laughs> and she looks the part, I'm going to go the full trident and net option. I wouldn't be getting within 10 feet of Helga wielding that thing, and I've always wanted to go back and visit gladiatorial Rome. I give her some words of encouragement, check the leather straps holding her various uh, bits of armour in place. I suspect that most of them are for show. 
and I watch as she steps into the arena. I, I feel no little sense of pride as she strides around, ready to engage whoever comes through the far doors of the arena. In the bag, as they say, uh, or, well, at least in that. The door lifts and the crowd goes wild as the challenger steps forward. And it, what? What? What's that? Um, I'm sorry, just, just checking with my host. What do you mean it's 22nd century week this week? You didn't tell me it was 22nd century week. Um, hang on. You, you've let me send her out there in her skimpies with a big pike. And you've sent that against her. How is that fair? Um, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, listener. This, this isn't going to take long. Come on, Helga. You've got this. Look at him. He must be only five foot tall. Okay, uh, he appears to be dressed in combat armor, um, but that, that wasn't designed for fighting an Amazon with a trident. You know, Hel Helga is carefully sidestepping the, the body-armored person opposite her. He's carrying some kind of hollow tube with, with light at one end. He doesn't look too fierce. I mean, if she can stay out of his way and get that net over him, it will all be fine. You go, girl! Keep your eyes on his hands! He seems not to be in a hurry as she throws the net. Oh, yes! He's been caught. Right. Come on, girl. Stick him with the pointy end. Uh, oh, oh. Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, he's pushed a button on the hollow tube and Helga... Uh, oh, well. Um, someone's going to need to hoover a hoover to pick up Helga. I was sure she had him there. Uh, anyway... This is Amelia Hawke reporting for the Galnet Rares Digest from the Camoran system. Um, I've just sent the equivalent of a flint axe into a tactical thermonuclear war, and I probably need to send Helga's family some flowers. So you don't have to. Seamless. Oh, man. Amelia, what did you do? <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know. If flowers is going to cover it, really. Has he nodded no, off? No. no, I don't think flowers is going to cover it at all. No, no. no I think. Nice I think there. certainly some kind of gift basket. There'd need to be chocolate involved, and possibly some kind of baked good. You know. Uh, well, yeah. maybe a cake. Yeah. Well, overall, I think Josh has done a great job, and he deserves a big cheer. A huge Hooray. cheer. A big yeah. cheer. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. He's done an awesome job. Oh, it's not that, is it? Um, done an awesome <laughs> job. Like, he has. Uh, David has been listening on an earpiece at work and said, sounds great. Yes. The, the volume yeah. levels, transitions, etc. have been spot on. Oh, it's been awesome. So, so yeah. a big yeah. cheer. Yeah. Much be it's much better than what we're used to. <laughs> it is much better than what we're used to, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so well done. Hooray! Yay! It's a shame he went off to the loo at the end there and uh, missed yeah. the end of the show. No, I, I uh, pressed what's, the what's really, what's really sad is that he kept his headphone on and didn't mute it. <laughs> I was there stabbing the button furiously, going... Is that what you were music. doing? You were Play stabbing some something music. furiously? Play did, some you ever get, music. did you ever get that thing to flush? <laughs> <laughs> Commander, oh, Commander Overlight, can, we, can yeah. we talk about your mug stats? My mug stats, you, 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 you can. Not not the ones on the uh, on the hot too hot too messy. Yeah, because it's 
let's not talk about your single mug delivery. Have you <laughs> had? Have you had a delivery of a mug ever? Um, oh, you've got a hot I've mug, got, haven't you? It I've, did on too hot, too messy. Just I've the one, though. Got a, <laughs> I've got a very nice mug. I've what does got it say on it? I've got one that says uh, 0.22 light years in silver. Mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got one that says 0.22 light years in gold. Oh. <laughs> I've got one, got, that I, oh, one that I can't talk about. Um, right. <laughs> but you don't have one that says hot and orbital radio on it, do you? Actually, I've got two. Well, that's... Well, died of death, hasn't it? You there was a, thieving <laughs> bastard. There was a bit of a story. I was, I was. I bet there is. Hang on, how long have we got? There's a I, bit of a story. When that does was the dark. TV... I was down an alley. It they was come, dark. Somebody came wandering down. I saw the white of their their hot and radio mug. We'll be getting under the table. Bang! Then. And down they went, and I was off with it. <laughs> I was the very first recipient of a Hutton orbital radio mug. And the, sec- and, the, and the second. And the second. Well, the corner of the market. <laughs> I Who were you supposed to pass it to but didn't? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It was passed to me by uh, our very own Von Teun, the very first time I met him. Um, and it was a very dark night in uh, reading. And um, it ended <laughs> up <laughs> flying down St. Mary's butts. So there you go. Oh. And uh, right. So hence, I was the first and second recipient of a Hutton orbital radio mug. Ah. So, so he he didn't even remember he'd sent you the first one because <laughs> he well, just you know. prodded me to say, find out if he's got radio mug. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wouldn't remember that. It was more than five minutes ago. Yeah, and in fairness, he wasn't on. He wasn't on air that week. But uh, that was a long, long time ago. Yeah. Hmm. Bless. Well, <sighs> Well, that's resolved. <laughs> Are you coming back? Are you ever coming back here? I, I think uh, once no, the uh, <laughs> I think once the uh, Valium prescription comes through, we'll be all right. Oh, you'll be fine there, and I absolutely. Yeah. You mean the performance enhancers? Yes, definitely. No, oh. no, they're different. Oh, that's that's so you can press eleven buttons at once. <laughs> oh, no, it's 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 uh, it is hard. It's hard work. There's a lot to look at. There's an amazing amount goes into producing this radio show, and I will never be rude about it again. So, uh, but you know, <laughs> did you take back some Today, of the things anyway. you said about us? <laughs> many, many things. Yeah, but not all of them. Well, not all of them, no. But no, God, no. <laughs> but no, I've had a lot of fun, and thank you for having me. And if you'll have me back, I'd love to do it again. Welcome anytime. We yeah. want you to press the buttons so we Absol- don't have to. Well, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, of course, Litho Breaker, I think, is the other stand-in tech. So, you know, clearly I've set a high bar for him to achieve. All he's got to do <laughs> is not push two, push two tunes at once. I mean, it was almost competent. <laughs> almost. Yeah. I mean, almost. But just, that's, that's very high praise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If it had been actually competent, we couldn't have had you back. <laughs> yeah, because that would just be wrong. That would so be so wrong. Competent is that master? Is it? New? I, I can't remember. Me, means you don't pee yourself. Such a long time ago. I think. Uh, I think we're a long way off that. But pee yourself. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you've just <laughs> been chosen. You'll be. You'll be deadly one day. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dead maybe. 
Yes. <laughs> anyway. Right, is it time to cover your ears? <laughs> I think it oh, might yeah. be. Oh, yeah, hang on a minute, hang on, hang on. Get your headphones off, you slim their headphones off. Slim their headphones off, For the hard of hearing should be fun, the rest of you step back from your headphones. <laughs> Overlight, we're ready with the button. Okay, do you Go want? for it. For the mug! For the mug! For the mug. For the mug. For the mug. For the mug, everything. For the mug. No journey too long and no cargo too small. The profit margins never really mattered at all. We're gonna take the cargo where it's needed today Super cruising all across the Milky Way We'll take anything, anytime, anywhere Loading up the teenagers to the brim with grain For the mug, for the mug Yeah, you know just where we're coming from For the mug, for the mug Now everybody sing the hot and trucker song Into the sun, Swivel likes the pilot on the Xbox One. Alvin at the front, you know he leads us well. Trucking across the galaxy, now everybody else. Follow the map, follow the map. Yeah, you know just where we're coming from. Follow the map, follow the map. Now everybody sing the Hut and Trucker song. gentlemen that's the end of the show everybody's buggered off now so why don't you bugger off too
seamless 